Chapters 39, 40, and 41 of Tristram Shandy, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentlemen, Volume 1, by Lawrence Stern. Chapters 39, 40, and 41. Chapter 39. At the end of the last chapter, my father and my uncle Toby were left both standing, like Brutus and Cassius, at the close of the scene, making up their accounts. As my father spoke the three last words, he sat down, my uncle Toby exactly followed his example, only that before he took his chair he rung the bell to order Corporal Trim, who was in waiting, to step home for Stevinus, my uncle Toby's house being no farther off than the opposite side of the way. Some men would have dropped the subject of Stevinus, but my uncle Toby had no resentment in his heart, and he went on with the subject to show my father that he had none. "'Your sudden appearance, Dr. Slop,' quoth my uncle, resuming his discourse, "'instantly brought Stevinus into my head. "'My father, you may be sure, did not offer to lay any more wages upon Stevinus's head, "'because,' continued my uncle Toby, "'the celebrated sailing-chariot, which belonged to Prince Morris, "'and was of such wonderful contrivance and velocity "'as to carry half a dozen people thirty German miles in I don't know how few minutes,' was invented by Stevinus, that great mathematician and engineer. "'You might have spared your servant the trouble,' quoth Dr. Slop, as the fellow is lame, of going for Stevinus's account of it, because in my return from Leiden, through the Hague, I walked as far as Skevling, which is two long miles, on purpose to take a view of it. "'That's nothing,' replied my Uncle Toby, "'to what the learned Peireskius did,' who walked a matter of five hundred miles, reckoning from Paris to Skevling, and from Skevling to Paris back again, in order to see it, and nothing else. Some men cannot bear to be outgone. The more fool Peireskius, replied Dr. Slop, but mark, twas out of no contempt of Peireskius at all, but that Peireskius's indefatigable labour in trudging so far on foot, out of love for the sciences, reduced the exploit of Dr. Slop, in that affair, to nothing. "'The more fool Peireskius,' he said again. "'Why so?' replied my father, taking his brother's part, not only to make reparation as fast as he could for the insult he had given him, which sat still upon my father's mind, but partly that my father began really to interest himself in the discourse. "'Why so?' said he. Why is Peireskius, or any man else, to be abused for an appetite for that, or any other morsel of sound knowledge? For notwithstanding I know nothing of the chariot in question, continued he, the inventor of it must have had a very mechanical head, and though I cannot guess upon what principles of philosophy he has achieved it, yet certainly his machine has been constructed upon solid ones, be they what they will, or it could not have answered at the rate my brother mentions. It answered, replied my uncle Toby, as well, if not better, for, as Peireskius elegantly expresses it, speaking of the velocity of its motion, tam citus erat quam erat ventus, 
which, unless I've forgotten my Latin, is that it was as swift as the wind itself. But pray, Dr. Slop, quoth my father, interrupting my uncle, though not without begging pardon for it at the same time, upon what principles was this self-same chariot set a-going? Upon very pretty principles, to be sure, replied Dr. Slop. And I have often wondered, continued he, evading the question, why none of our gentry, who live upon large plains like this of ours, especially they whose wives are not past jar-bearing, attempt nothing of this kind, for it would not only be infinitely expeditious upon sudden calls, to which the sex is subject, if the wind only served, but would be excellent good husbandry to make use of the winds, which cost nothing, and which eat nothing, rather than horses, which, the devil take em, both cost and eat a great deal. For that very reason, replied my father, because they cost nothing, and because they eat nothing, the scheme is bad. It is the consumption of our products, as well as the manufactures of them, which gives bread to the hungry, circulates trade, brings in money, and supports the value of our lands. And though I own, if I was a prince, I would generously recompense the scientific head which brought forth such contrivances, yet I would as peremptorily suppress the use of them. My father here had got into his element, and was going on as prosperously with his dissertation upon trade as my uncle Toby had before, upon his of fortification. But to the loss of much sound knowledge, the destinies in the morning had decreed that no dissertation of any kind should be spun by my father that day, for, as he opened his mouth to begin the next sentence, End of chapter 39 Chapter 40 In popped Corporal Trim with Stevinus, but twas too late. All the discourse had been exhausted without him, and was running into a new channel. "'You may take the book home again, Trim,' said my Uncle Toby, nodding to him. "'But prithee, Corporal,' quoth my father, drolling, "'look first into it, and see if thou canst spy aught of a sailing chariot in it.' Corporal Trim, by being in the service, had learnt to obey, and not to remonstrate, so, taking the book to a side-table, and running over the leaves, "'And please, Your Honour,' said Trim, "'I can see no such thing. However,' continued the Corporal, drawing a little in his turn, "'I'll make sure work of it, and please, Your Honour.' So, taking hold of the two covers of the book, one in each hand, and letting the leaves fall down, as he bent the covers back, he gave the book a good sound shake. "'There is something falling out, however,' said Trim, "'and please, Your Honour, but it is not a chariot or anything like one.' "'Prithee, Corporal,' said my father, smiling, "'what is it, then?' "'I think,' answered Trim, stooping to take it up, "'tis more like a sermon, for it begins with a text of Scripture, and the chapter and verse, and then goes on, not as a chariot, but like a sermon directly.' The company smiled. "'I cannot conceive how it is possible,' quoth my Uncle Toby, "'for such a thing as a sermon to have got into my Stevinus.' "'I think tis a sermon,' replied Trim. "'But if it please your honours, as it is a fair hand, I will read you a page.' For Trim, you must know, loved to hear himself read almost as well as talk. "'I have ever a strong propensity,' said my father, "'to look into things which cross my way "'by such strange fatalities as these. "'And as we have nothing better to do, 
at least till Obadiah gets back, I shall be obliged to you, brother, if Dr. Slop has no objection to it, to order the corporal to give us a page or two of it, if he is as able to do it as he seems willing. And please, your honour, quoth Trim, I officiated two whole campaigns in Flanders as clerk to the chaplain of the regiment. He can read it, quoth my uncle Toby, as well as I can. Trim, I assure you, was the best scholar in my company, and should have had the next halberd, but for the poor fellow's misfortune. Corporal Trim laid his hand upon his heart, and made an humble bow to his master, then laying down his hat upon the floor, and taking up the sermon in his left hand, in order to have his right at liberty, he advanced, nothing doubting, into the middle of the room, where he could best see, and be best seen by his audience. End of chapter 40 Chapter 41 If you have any objection, said my father, addressing himself to Dr. Slop. Not in the least, replied Dr. Slop, for it does not appear on which side of the question it is wrote. It may be a composition of a divine of our church, as well as yours, so that we run equal risks. "'Tis wrote upon neither side, quoth Trim, for tis only upon conscience, and please your honours. Trim's reason put his audience into good humour, all but Dr. Slop, who, turning his head about towards Trim, looked a little angry. "'Begin, Trim, and read distinctly,' quoth my father. "'I will, and please your honour,' replied the corporal, making a bow, and bespeaking attention with a slight movement of his right hand. End of chapter 41